0: Last week we talked about Acts 1-8, and I want to read it again because we only talked about half of it. So today we're going to talk about the other half, and you're going to experience the other half by people just like you and me. And this is what Acts 1-8 says. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, we talked about last week that Jerusalem, Judea, Judea, Samaria. Jerusalem was the familiar people and places that we just feel comfortable around. Um, the unfamiliar places would be Judea, like if you go to Indianapolis and other places like that, like Boonville. Um, but then also we got Samaria. Those are the familiar people and places, but they're unfamiliar people and places that are our enemies. That's just We just don't want to associate with them all capacities. This is a local um, mindset, and around the world is this go, be the witnesses. But today we're going to be talking about to the ends of of the earth. Did you know as of 2023, there are 8.1 billion people on this planet? 8.1. And the expectancy by 2050 is going to be 9.8 billion people. That's a lot of people, ladies and gentlemen. But out of those two point one, out of all those people, one point eight point one, two point two point eighteen billion people would be classified as Christians. And I had to emphasize by by putting parentheses on, they associate with Christianity, whether they're real Christians or not, or whether, just like in the United States, if you're living and breathing and you're sort of conservative, you're a Christian, give or take, whatever. So that's why people say that they're Christians, but they're really not. What do we use around here? We are Christ what? Christ followers. We're not Christians. But according to the statistic, 2.18 billion say that they're Christians, um, which represents um thirty three percent of the whole population, so that means sixty six percent are what not Christians, but out of those people, ninety percent of these Christians live in countries where christian Christianity is the majority is the majority, um kind of like in the United States, Christianity is the majority that leaves ten percent of Christians worldwide that live around the world in minority groups around the world. Ultimately, these minority groups consist of people groups. People groups that, believe, or that have different backgrounds, languages, and so on and so forth. According to the Joshua Project, and if you ever want to do deep study on unreached um, people groups, go to Joshua Project. And this is what Joshua Project said. There's about 7,400 people Groups. This is not just like people. This is groups of people that are considered unreached. In other words, they don't have access to the Bible. The majority of them have not even heard the name Jesus. This is right now in our social media internet world. 7,400 people groups are considered even unreached, which is over 40% of the world's population. of the world's population doesn't have a Bible, has never heard about Jesus. This is 2024. 85% of these people are in what's called the 1040 window, which I'll show you again in a second. And less than 3% of all the mission work in the entire world belong to them. 60% of the unreached people group live in countries that are closed to missionaries who come in. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what's called the 1040 window. Next slide. This is the 1040 window, one of the most hostile hostile areas where the majority of the people are not Christians in any way, shape, or form. Everyone everywhere else is majority Christians. As it says, about 6,000, almost 7,000 people are reached of these people groups. 6,500 are groups who are unreached, but watch this. There's 3,096 people, groups, that are unreached but not even engaged. There's not a missionary that has gone there. They're not even engaged with a church or Christianity. This reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. It says, when Jesus, he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a what? Without a shepherd. Jesus is our great shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, as we just said. It's plentiful. But the what? Laborers are few. What should we do? Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Again, by doing this, we will complete, as we're praying for God's will to be done, we'll complete Acts 1-8 to go be the witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So this I want to encourage us with before the team comes up. Yes, absolutely yes, go locally. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, yes. We should never stop going locally. And we should never stop going where? Internationally. We should never. Why? Because each and every one of those billions of people are a soul. They are a soul destined from heaven or hell at the end of their life if they do not know Jesus. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful internationally and locally. So it may be said today that as you hear the testimonies of our team that went to Honduras and Jamaica, ask yourself while you're listening, says, why am I not going? Why am I not praying? Why am I not giving towards this great cause that we are called to be a part of? My prayer is this, that each one of us will be an Acts 1-8 person locally and around the world. And I know, I grew up overseas for 16 years of my life. I've been overseas almost every year since, except for COVID. But I'm just letting you know, you can as well. And at the end of this sermon, at the end of this sharing time, you're going to see some practical ways where you can be involved, not only locally, but specifically around the world. So what we're going to do is we have our mission team from Jamaica and Honduras that are going to be sharing today. I'm going to show a video for it with you guys in a second. But our Jamaica team, Tammy and Dammy, literally just got back into the United States at 11 o'clock last night. So if they fall asleep during the chat, you'll know why. All right. Um, and Tammy doesn't drink coffee, so we'll be praying for her as well. All right. So with that being said, is Father convict our hearts for the world, Lord? That just comes through my heart. God, you so loved the world, not just United States, not just Evansville, not just me. You love the world that you gave your only Son to die for the forgiveness of their sins. May we tell, give, go, and thank you for this team that went to Honduras and Jamaica. I pray that you'll give them encouraging words as they share. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. person here um, are people just like you, just normal jobs and so on and so forth. Um, Common people as we talked about that last week. So I asked this question and we're asking each of them, how and why did you know that God called you to go on a foreign international mission trip? And they each have a response.
1: So for myself, um, as I've been four times now, um, at least for me, it's it's a little bit different um, knowing that you're called that first time versus that second, third, fourth time. Um, so for me, it's more of like, I know I'm called to go. Um, and I still pray about it. Um, but for me, it's more like, why not go? Um, so I pray for, to see if God is gonna tell me no, because I already know that I'm called. Um, so as long as I don't hear a no, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm called to go and I'm called to serve um, within the mission field.
2: Oh, my turn. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I've been, I think, like 10 times now in total. Because uh, Cattle's goes once a year. I, I try to go on all the uh, trips. Um, the picture up there that you'll see um, is this mother uh, named Sarah, um, who um, I, I met when she was 16 a couple of years ago, uh, and I did a small fundraiser for her on uh, Facebook, and um, God was faithful to provide for her and her boys, and um, I kind of go down and check. I, pretty much every time I go down, I get a chance to go check on her um, and see how she's doing, and God's been very faithful to provide for her and the boys and, um, and uh, really improve their financial situation. Uh, they still currently live in the squatters village, gracias a Dios, um, but um, the reason why I chose this picture was because it's kind of representative of the relationships that God has built uh, between me and the Hondurans. Um, And how they've kind of become an indispensable part of my life, getting to go down and talk to them and see how they're doing and see what God is doing in their lives. And um, that's how I knew I was called at this point. Um, It's kind of just something that um, I don't think uh, God wants me to stop and wants me to keep going. And whenever he says no, I'll stop. But Until then,
3: yeah. I kind of have the same mindset is Eric and Andrew, um, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Um, we went for the first time in January of 2022, and my heart melted for worldwide missions. Um, like Dave said, the stats are unbelievable how many people haven't heard the name of Jesus. And as a, as a follower of him, it's very important to go. Um, like I said it's not a if it's a when when is God gonna send me next
4: well I wasn't supposed to be on this trip actually Um, so I was supposed to be working and um, God had different plans he kind of completely changed the direction of our lives and as we prayed about me staying home to take care of our family I put in my notice at work, and the next day, my coworker bought my plane ticket to go to Honduras. Um, and then within a week, I had all the money to go to Honduras for this trip. So at that point, I was like, okay, God, you want me to go to Honduras this year. So <laughs> it was uh, it was definitely shocking, but I'm so glad that I got to go on this trip.
5: Uh, for me, it was after the first trip, like, i knew that this is just going to be a part of my life now like missions they're one of the most amazing things ever seeing a different country for the first time and seeing that they need jesus like as soon as as soon as we landed i knew this is just this is going to be a part of my life and that god wants me to do this
6: so i i felt the calling and it took a long time god first started talking to me and calling me to do mission work about 30 years ago. But sometimes when he calls you, it's not immediate. Mm. Sometimes I'm calling you, but not yet. Not So I would just <clears throat> help and support as many people as I knew were going on mission trips until my time finally came. And it took 20 years of patience and waiting for my first mission trip 10 years ago. Um, but like they said, once you go, it's not just a one-time calling. It's an every time you have the opportunity you know that God wants you to go. Our little mission team that we go with has a little saying that says, once you go, then you know.
7: So my calling came in a service just like this. Tammy and our team leader were given a presentation, described the work that needed to be done. Everybody on the team had dropped out to go work on this church. And it was a construction repair work. And the whole time I was listening, I hear this voice says, what are you doing? Why not you? I, I had never felt that calling before until I was sitting there listening. And I quit listening to what they were saying. And all I heard was this voice says, why not you? And I told her right after that service, God has called me to go. So it was a service just like this
8: Um, I think uh, over the last couple months uh, I just heard one message over and over and over it's just be obedient be obedient Um, and as you all know we're all called to go so that's
9: So I have been going since 2014, Uh, this is actually my ninth trip to Honduras, uh, my first time with Catalyst. Um, I've always had uh, God calling me to do service work, um, and I, I just love going.
10: So this was my fifth trip, and ever since the first trip in 2019, I've had a burden on my heart for the people of Honduras. After each trip, I'm more convicted. what God calls me to do there and like the guy said I'll keep going as long as until God tells me no if it were feasible I'd go all three trips a year
11: so originally when I was gonna go this is my first trip Uh, for the longest time I didn't want to go there was multiple times that I've been asked and I just ignored it but I don't know this trip um, a few weeks before we were going my dad lovingly forced me to go on this trip. (laughs) But yeah, it wasn't until I got into the country and saw the mountains that I realized this isn't for me, this is for God, and just seeing God's beauty really made me realize that I was supposed to be there.
12: So I've had a heart for missions um, for most of my life, and we've been several places around the world. Last year was my first trip to Honduras, and I've never fallen in love with a group of people as much as I've fallen in love with the people of Honduras and even with all that I wasn't sure if I was supposed to come go on the the trip this year or not Um, and then David and I started talking Madison our daughter has been many many times Um, Ethan had never been on a missions trip and so we decided that he needed to go and David's always been the one to experience that with Madison, and so I was like, I'm going. If Ethan's going, I'm going, and God provided the money, so that's yeah. how
0: I went. Absolutely, and the reason I go, just kind of like you guys said it very, very clearly, is why not, and if I could go like every month to a different place around the world and do what we call to do, I would. Um, so, um, yeah, so Tim Higginbotham couldn't be here today. He might be watching online, but... This is his answer
13: to um, a couple especially... of years ago, I felt I was called to go uh, after hearing other people and their experience of Honduras, but then I decided to just give funding. So I was able to help and uh, my way of going last year was uh, through donations and helping others. This year, I felt definitely God calling me. It was time for me to go in person uh, and uh, that was confirmed when the. Amazing uh, support came from areas I didn't even expect. So I'm very thankful for that. All right, so what did you guys um, do
0: on this trip? So that's the question. What did God ask you to do? Maybe you got assigned to something, but God actually sent you for something else other than what we assigned you to do.
1: So i've actually had um, the honor of kind of having two roles um, especially these last two trips but all four of my trips i've always served in eyeglasses being able to give eye exams um, and get people prescription glasses um, as much as we can and i'll talk a little bit more about that on my on the next question Um, but like i said this is the second time i got to um, do teen church so i was able to pull all the teenagers out of the main church service and just be able to connect with them um, through a very simple way of presenting the gospel, um, but in a way that um, as much as I could to try to have a conversation with them along with the translator. Um, so it was just beautiful. I got to the chance to talk with probably over 70, 80 different teenagers throughout the entire week. Um, many, many of them um, came to know Christ. Um, so I don't even remember the exact number, but God knows um, that's what matters. And so I just every time I get to do this just like I get to lead the youth here um, I just feel very blessed to be able to do my life's calling down there as well
2: Uh, so normally whenever I go down um, I do medical which is uh, so that's the station where you work with the doctors and they um, so patients come in you do assessments you write prescriptions um, fix anything that you can like wounds or whatever um, and this time I got assigned to triage and then I got bounced around a little bit so I got to do a few different um, tasks but um, the, uh, the kind of unexpected thing that it wasn't just me but uh, that everybody got to do um, was so this uh, this young lady is Jimena um, she was my assigned translator for the week she's 11 years old um, and incredible young lady Um, One of the first things that you'll notice about um, Honduran culture whenever you're down there is they are very service oriented and like the second something needed to be done, she didn't need to be asked, she would just hop up and go do it. Um, But um, the unexpected part was that um, her and her family, um, and I I don't want to go into details because I didn't discuss this with them prior, um, had a pretty devastating loss right before we went down. Um, and uh, we kind of heard from the mother that it was a really positive thing for her and her siblings to be able to spend time with us and not have to focus on that grieving process and be able to do something positive with their time. Um, so um, it was wonderful for God to uh, be able to use us in that way, and um, yeah.
3: So I serve um, the all three years in the hospitality station, And it's basically the last uh, stop that people come through um, during clinics. And we prepare a bag that has rice and beans, um, a Bible, their photo, and uh, vitamins, which is the most important thing to them, like physically, that we can give them. Um, But every person that comes through my station has heard the gospel in every station. So I get the pleasure of being an evangelist in this station, and I get to ask pretty pointed questions as to where they're going, um, and get to have good interactions with people, get to pray with people as they leave. Um, It's a pretty amazing and humbling experience to be in the station I'm in.
4: So um, the last couple of years, I've gotten to work in the clothing station, um, which has been really awesome. Um, I got to work with Rachel and Joe and another teammate and we got to hand out clothes that a lot of you guys might have donated um, from here, and we got to pack them up and take them down, and the joy on those kids' faces and the moms whenever we gave them the clothes was just amazing. It was a blessing. Um, but to be able to see my teammates there, too, um, the way that they got to love on the children and um, share the gospel through the little evangel cube that we use, um, that was a blessing as well. It's just It's an amazing experience. Um, Because our station started later than everybody else's, we got to kind of float around and be roamers. And Rachel and I would go give the kids toys while they were waiting, because they wait for a long time, and play with them. So we were kind of lucky, because we got to have a little time to really bond with the children.
5: I was put onto Escort, which is I mean, as it sounds, you just take one person from a station and put them in another. But I mean, y'all know me by now, I I can't send a place for more than one day, so I kind of turned into a freelancer walking around doing whatever anybody needed me to do and uh, just, you know, playing with everybody.
6: Well, over the years I've done a lot of different jobs, but this year, um, mainly I spoke, there's a picture of it, spoke in the schools. Um, They allow us to come in there, sadly, this wouldn't happen here in the States. But they allow us to come in and do devotions with the kids, sing songs, teach little lessons, and then the number one thing, just love on them. They're so hungry for your hugs and your love, and, and they just love you right back. And so that's, that's mainly what I do is I go out into the schools and speak to the kids.
7: So I am not an expert in anything. But let me tell you, God uses... Me too, I can do repair work. Here I was running a weed eater at the mission house. Uh, I got to help with devotions at the schools. I got to uh, help with the revival services. Uh, I got to help in the nursing homes. So God can use you for all kinds of things.
8: Uh, the last two years that I've went down there, I got to help out in hospitality. Uh, this year, they actually moved me over to clothing. And I don't know anything about giving clothing out to people. Um, I'm a guy. I don't know the size of people whenever they walk in. So Rachel and Angie looked at me and goes, do you want to hand out sunglasses? I could do that. Um, so uh, this is Dulce. she was our translator. Uh for the four out of the five days that we were doing the clinicals. And uh, she's just an amazing young lady. She's very good at English. Um, I can't talk her up enough. She's, she's on the spot.
9: So with my job, uh, I did two jobs. I did children's church, and I was also an escort. Um, children's church is a big big part of my heart I love being with the kids and just, just being around the kids is the joy and love that they have um, so th- in this picture I I decided to join with the kids because I normally stay back and just kind of watch them but I wanted to be with them be part of it and that that made me very happy to, to do that um, with the escorting I worked um, kind of in the eyeglass department so I was with Eric and Susie um, and I would just take all the families from when they were done with the patients I would take them to the next station whether it be dental uh, eye gla- or dental hearing uh, or hospitality
10: Okay, well this trip I worked in the eyeglass station and each morning I would help to restock the inventory on the prescription glasses then as people started to come through the clinic I would um, get them fitted for reading glasses And eyeglasses is usually a really busy station, so you don't have a lot of time to evangelize. But instead, I just offer a hug because, I think it was Danny said, the people, they like that one-on-one attention. They, They crave those hugs, so I'll hug them and I'll tell them Dios te bendiga, which means God bless you. And I just love the way their face would light up and they point skyward. On the last day of the clinic, there was one woman, she was about my age, and after I hugged her, I told her that we were, excuse me if I mess this up, Hermanas in Cristo, which means Sisters in Christ. She gave me the biggest smile, and I gave her the red beaded bracelet that I had wore all week, and she just smiled and hugged me that much harder.
11: So originally I was assigned to be on Escort, which was basically taking people around and things like that, but on the first day I got moved to photos or registration, and I was their family photo photographer which is really cool because um, most of them have never had a family picture taken in their life. So being able to give that to them is really awesome. And I learned a lot of Spanish (laughs) from that.
12: So as Angie said, we worked in the clothing um, section. One thing that she didn't mention was we got the fun job of um, tallying up how many teeth had been pulled and um, how many prescriptions had been filled and those types of things they like to have that information
0: so we did that too. Um, And of course as the pastor we did church services and morning devotions and some after church services just hung out and um, had a good time just uh, making people smile the best way I can and then as you see on the right there that's the team devotion that we have just real quick right before we head out into into the mission field Um, so that's what I did. All right this is what Tim did.
13: I got the pleasure of working in hospitality, uh, which meant I got to be the one uh, handing out the uh, beans and, and uh, rice, also uh, uh, several other items, toothbrush, and uh, importantly, a Bible. And then we got to share uh, the gospel with many people, got to plant seeds, got the opportunity to find out where they are in their Christian walk. And uh, it was an amazing opportunity through the power of the Holy Spirit to be part of God's harvest.
0: So part of going on mission trips is is a beautiful thing of we think sometimes we're going for them, the Hondurans, the Jamaicans or whatever, but 99% of the time it's also for us, resulting in each and every one of us have things that God has taught our heart and we're going to they're going to share briefly. They wish he could share longer, but these are some things that God taught us and and laid on our hearts um, as we went over. And so, hopefully, will you when you go.
1: So uh, God actually um, taught me. Um, Two very big things on this trip um, taught me about himself or more or less reminded me about himself and also taught me about myself, which I'll talk about in my um, last uh, question, last picture. But as you see, um, working in eyeglasses, um, alongside of Bob, who's the head of the eyeglass station. am able and trained to um, give eye exams with uh, what's called a retina max. And so this wasn't the specific... Um, um, gentleman um, but one day we had a gentleman come through and he just he could not even see his hands this far from his face and he couldn't see far either like everything was blurry all the time he always needed help just walking five feet and so um, throughout the week everybody we were getting pumping eyeglasses out like you know it's like first second pair it's like oh yeah those weren't great and it's, and it's so awesome when it works out that well. But this gentleman, me and Bob, probably spent about 30 minutes um, trying to get him something. Um, and it's just a testament, just like how a lot of us go on the mission field unless God says no. But very, um, not very often do we actually face that of God saying no. And that's something that me and Bob had to face in that time after 30 minutes spending with this guy. God said no, um, and it was kind of tough in that moment because we've got an inventory of 3,000-plus eyeglasses. It's like we have to be able to get him something. We have to be able to do something for him, um, and unfortunately, and we prayed over him, and we prayed there in the moment um, for God to provide some kind of eyeglasses to even help him just a little bit, um, and unfortunately, God said no, which was a tough but good reminder of, of the sovereignty of God. Uh so um what God showed
2: me so as I was going down and getting prepared to go um I had kind of an interpersonal uh faith struggle uh there was something in my life that I was asking God to help me with that I was struggling to believe that he could um or uh would perhaps um so this is um our friend Rebecca um, so our, our our worship team was myself, Eric, and Rebecca here. Um, and um, she and I have this tradition of singing uh, Born Again by Third Day. Um, and earlier in the week, she mentioned um, that like, oh, I was sharing my testimony the other night. And like I, like, I mentioned you like a few times in it. And I'm like, oh, OK, I wasn't present for that. Um, and, um, I'm not going to go into details because it's her story to tell, of course, but, um, last night that we were there, she shared her full testimony with me and, um, God did for her through me what I was asking him to do for me. And, um, just in that moment, God just resolved that crisis and went, Hey, look, I was able to help her. I used you to help her. I can help you too. Um, so Um, God is, God is good and he is faithful and, uh, he's able to help. And that's what he showed me.
3: So Eric kind of stole my answer. Um, thanks buddy. (laughs) No, uh, the first, the first two years I went down, um, you know, being a, being someone who's gifted in evangelism. Um, Saw so many people say yes to the gospel uh, just through the power of the Holy Spirit and this year there was Kind of built up a reputation. It's not me. It's it's the Holy Spirit Um, But there was this young man who came through the clinics on Tuesday And the translators came running and they were like Larry Larry you got to talk to this guy about Jesus. You got to talk to him and like thanks for putting the pressure on me guys um, so I show up and I, I start talking to this guy and the Holy Spirit just doesn't give me the words to say there was nothing coming to my mind that I could say to this kid um, and I began to pray and I talked to Dave about it later and it's just sometimes it's not the time sometimes God says no I've got a different plan and as much as we want to to tell somebody about Jesus, sometimes it's just not the time. And we have to be okay with that because God is good and his plan is good and perfect.
4: So um, I chose this picture of our big diverse team um, because I feel like what God showed me this trip was this beautiful picture of the church. Um, and how he intended it to be. There were so many different people of different backgrounds, different churches, different opinions, um, and they all came together. And I saw the Holy Spirit working all week through all these different people. um, And people were being what they were supposed to be, the body part, there was the hands, there was the feet. Um, And it's beautiful to see that we can be the church the way that it's supposed to be. And I think that's why it's so important for us to serve here and there. Whenever we serve together, um, it bonds us together. The group of us that went to Honduras together, I mean, they can all tell you that it it builds that bond stronger um, and we all um, support each other and love each other. And that's what the church is supposed to be. And so I'm glad that God showed me that beauty um, of what the church is through this trip?
5: Um, so I, I put this picture up of me in a hammock. Um, I, was sitting, I was sitting in this hammock. It's actually Andrew's um, on the last day, and I just had an amazing God moment, and I had a really deep prayer with him. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. Like, Honduras brings out a different side that you don't see in America, and I wish I wish we did, but it's it's just you feel like the Holy Spirit is constantly with you,
6: So, what I learned, and I God still speaks to me every trip about this. I think he 's convicting me, and maybe i 'm not listening um, but you know it 's so easy to people that you don 't know in this foreign country to share the gospel, to speak with them, and God convicts me about the fact that when I come back home, why am I not so bold at home? Why am I not sharing the gospel with other people? You know, with you, you just see a stranger on the street. You hand them a truck. You want to know, do they know Jesus? You know, can I talk to you about God? And, and they're more open to it than we are here. Sometimes here they might throw that truck away and walk on. But, um, you know, God convicts me every time and teaches me that I need to do no, more, not only in the foreign mission field, but also in the mission field at home.
7: So w- we went to... Uh... A nursing home and there were six of us on our team that had never been uh, uh, on a mission trip so there was a young mama with us quiet she hardly would say a word we're in this nursing home in this small dirty room that these people were sitting in and i looked down and this quiet shy young ladies on her knees praying for this man so here we you go all the way to to Jamaica you can do that right here or you can do it in another country it's one of the simplest things you can just pray for him
8: um, you know sometimes I think everybody would agree with this. sometimes we don't know why we're going uh, we just know that god is calling us to go and uh part of the uh, spiritual gifts that we've been given mine is uh, encouragement and helps um and we had run out of sunglasses and i just saw this gentleman sitting out in the middle of the courtyard and i just felt that call to go talk to him and in talking to him uh, he told me that he's been struggling with um, his mom is a Catholic, and but she just doesn't believe anything that the Bible says. Um, so I just felt called to give him encouragement and um, to pray with him, uh, to give him the strength to be able to share the gospel with his with his mom.
9: So what God has really shown me personally, um, I am a I'm used to being in like a fast environment, doing things quickly. Uh, but definitely on this trip, he's definitely showed me to slow down and to take my time and be patient. Um, so working in escort, I'm, I'm very fast and I, wanna, I just wanna get, help people get through and help, help the line going. Uh, but God has told me several times, slow down, take your time, be with people, love on people. And that's what he showed
10: me. So this trip, God gave me a lesson in obedience and trust. Um, It's really common before we leave to experience some sort of spiritual attack. And this year it was really different. Um, I knew almost everybody on the team. I'd served with them all before. But my mind was just full of these what ifs. What if you don't belong? What if you don't fit in? What if? you get excluded and so i pushed it back i knew it was from satan and i knew it would be okay so the weather was bad the day we left and so a lot of the flights were running late but god showed up before we ever left the united states we were in atlanta we were on the plane Uh, the two seats beside of me were still empty And they had held the plane as long as they could, and just with literally seconds to spare, this lady comes running into the plane. The flight attendant sits her in the aisle seat next to me. We look at each other. We've both got the same blue shirt, so we laughed. Ends up, uh, she's about my age. We laughed, and we talked all the way to Honduras. Um, She had traveled a lot, but she had never been on a mission trip, so she was in the dorm right next to mine. We kind of checked on each other. She jokingly said she felt like she was on an episode of Survivor. So (laughs) I would tease her and ask her how she was surviving, and um, just God really showed up before we left the States. He taught me, this is what I want you to do. Go do it.
11: So every night, uh, we had a big group devotional and meeting, and there was Uh, section of the night that we always uh, were sharing our God moments or God sightings I was looking the whole week for my God sighting and on the last night I was talking with Eric and I realized it just clicked like this trip was my God moment and yeah I'm still seeing it play out right now when I've really ignited my love for missions and I'm gonna try to go back in June of this year as well and as many times as I can and Also, it just, this whole trip taught me that I can be myself, and yeah.
12: So I'm his mom, (laughs) and uh, he said that, (laughs) (laughs) as he said, we forced him to go, and he was very resistant for the longest time, and I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would soften his heart and change his life. And I got to watch God do answer those prayers on this trip. Um, Ethan has a love for photography and at the last minute got put as a photographer and to watch him put what God has put in him for God's glory um, was incredible. Uh, So that was my God thing was watching. God work in Ethan's life and give him the love for missions that we have had all of these years.
0: Absolutely. I Wanted to talk about my son, but um, that incredible group that you see and and you already stole it all. But in that picture, there is a guy named Tom. And I don't know if Tom would be watching online, but. Um, as a pastor, we have you have crowds, you have all the people and the tents and everything. And yeah, did shared the gospel, did what the pastor's supposed to do, and we're all supposed to do. But just reminded me about that one person. He's an American. He lives in St. Louis. And that one person, Tom, was on my heart all week. He did not come to know Christ. God said no, but he's still heavily on my heart. So in the midst of all of that, there are souls even there that needs that needs Jesus. Um, just remind us, it's not about the crowd, it's about the one that we are called to, to go and to be. So that's my God moment, to be reminded it's not about the crowd, it's about the, it's about the one. So this is what Tim has to say.
13: Well, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it was amazing. Um, God directed me to some specific individuals throughout the, the entire uh, period or the five days uh, telling me, this person is ready for salvation. Uh, and just, uh, I could tell in their eyes, I could tell through the power of the Spirit, they were ready to accept Christ. So God was able to use me uh, for His glory. And I I just, it was an incredible experience. All
0: right. So we're going to end with this last sort of question. I just encourage everybody to share a one-minute God story with a picture. So I want you guys to you've already heard everyone's heart and i would love for you to pay very very attention to these pictures and these stories we all have god moments we all have things that god shows us and so will you so will you lord willing when when you go so each and every one of us have a little bit of a story that we're going to try to keep at one minute or less so eric
1: um so I think we all just wanted to make sure you all got to see this picture enough of the whole team. Um, But as I said before, God also taught me about myself or or really just opened my heart up um, this trip in a way that I was definitely not expecting. In a way that really had nothing to do with missions, um, but just... Um, myself and and my relationship with him and so i show this picture um because there's just something about um going down there um and i don't know if i could even put it to words to to for it to make sense but it just breaks down walls in a way to and it's not the place we go it's partly the, the the people we're around um but not even just that but the the mission that we're on God uses those to to break down walls, Um, just like he does here within our church family, just like he does here within our community groups. Those are there for to break down walls for us to connect with each other under Christ. And um, Larry was just able to be there for me um, in a moment that I didn't think I needed. Um, I was able to share something with Larry and just get off my chest, put into words, uh, something that I had held on to since I was 12 years old. And I literally never told anybody before like i said never even put it to words because i it came up to mind throughout the years but i always just it down like i don't need to share that i don't it, there's no point it's not going to change anything um and god just laid on my heart like i don't care if i you think it's going to change anything get this off your chest break down this wall that you have up or, and to allow another brother in Christ to be able to be there for you. So that was just an amazing mo- uh, moment for myself um, and just a testament of how God can break down walls when he places you within a family in Christ.
2: Uh, so I kind of already told my um, God story for the week. Um, that was the one with uh, our friend Rebecca. and um, I, I put this picture up here of me and uh, Eric singing and playing together because this... This trip was fun, and you know, it's like, yeah, we don't have air conditioning. Yeah, it's hot. You know, yeah, we're working the whole time. But you know, it was just, it was a trip where I really felt connected with um, our friends as the church. Um, really felt that um, kind of Christian love that Angie's talked about um, to me about before. Um, it was whenever I first showed up. Um, one of our friends, uh, her name is Valeria. Um, she she saw me and she said, you're more Honduran than American. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> and uh, before I left, um, she saw me and she said, anytime you come down here, you have a home. You have several homes. Like, we, we would all love to have you if you if you want to come down and visit. And that was just, it was beautiful to just be part of that family in Christ.
3: So I chose... Um, this little girl uh, I told you on Tuesday I had the the young man come up and God told me no and I was I was struggling with that uh, mulling over that and um, this little girl got some pretty horrible news while we were there the doctors found a a heart defect um, and and it looked pretty bleak but uh, I just got finished God telling me no and cindy comes up to me and there it's another one of those larry we want you to pray with her and he just he just ministered to me in that moment that while i got bad news in him telling me no she got worse news for her life and she had such a sweet sweet smile on her face and she just kept saying i love the lord i love the lord and it just it just touched me to no end And then the next day she came back and Angie was handing out little toys to the kids and she got the little, little scratchy thing there and, and wrote, wrote, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. And then gave it to me. It was just, it was just amazing. So God is so good.
4: So, um, there's a family in Honduras, um, some siblings, this is Ronald and Jerani and Kati, and all of us feel like they're part of our family. Um, And our first trip, Ronald, um, we talked to him and he um, accepted Jesus as a savior. His first objection was, I need to get baptized first. Um, And so we talked about that and I was like, you can do that later, we'll we'll work it out. Um, And so our free day, we got to go to a pool And immediately I thought, Ronald's going to want to get baptized. And so I asked Larry to talk to him, thinking that Larry would baptize him. And Dave and Larry talked to him, and he wanted me to do it. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Number one, I'm not getting in the pool. Uh, Number two, I'm not qualified. Um, But sometimes, you know, God has those moments for you, and you don't even expect. And it was a beautiful moment um, where I got to baptize him, and then Jurani also baptized her sister kati, and it was just i think all of us feel like you know it was just watching our family you know it was it was a beautiful, beautiful moment, and I'm so blessed that God let me be a part of that moment
5: um, this is uh Gama uh he's under ten and he was a new translator we had and to see a ten year old speak two languages and to have Christ with him and being able to talk to the Holy Spirit is Insane. You don't you don't see that every year. Like he was amazing. He went through a loss of a family member um, before the trip, and you couldn't see that. Like he had a smile on his face constantly. He was running around, and um, yeah, he was he was amazing.
6: Well, this is just a picture of me with a lot of the kids around, but. Um, I've taught school for many, many years, and so I love going out into the schools and talking to the kids. And last year, um, just on the spur of the moment, because I was at a basic school is what they call preschool. I was at this preschool watching the kids play outside before devotions, and they were just beating the tar out of each other. They were hitting and kicking, and they were just awful to each other. And so I I just came up with a little lesson well, God came up with a little lesson about being kind to each other. So I skipped the lesson I was going to do, and I did this lesson on being kind to each other. And we found it in the Bible, and we talked about it. And I thought, if you've ever seen the movie Finding Nemo, Dory Speaks Whale. So <laughs> I thought, what can I do to get them to remember this? So we did this. Be kind to each other i told them that was the second language that i knew how to speak whale and i taught them to do that in whale and it helped them remember so so this year i did the same thing i kind of added a little to it and we you know i tell them about the kids in america because they love to hear that and how they're the same as kids there kids everywhere you know they fight they bicker and we talk about what's kindness and what's not kind and then i always say you know i'm going to teach you this in another language and they think it's, you know, going to be some foreign language. And then I do that, and I tell them I speak whale. And they look at me like I'm crazy, which they should. But <laughs> this year, whenever, you know, you don't, you don't know how much they, they're really taking in of this. So we were getting ready to leave that school, and there were some older girls, like fifth grade girls, standing around talking. And just as I walked by, one of them smacked the other one. Just, they weren't fighting, but just smacked her. And three little girls looked at her and went, and, to, and did that, and it just cracked me up. I thought, well, they are listening. So I said, every time you see that, guys, I want you to speak well to them and remind them to be kind.
7: So here, here we are in that same nursing home, and here God didn't put me there for him. God put him there for me. The team had all... They had gone out to the van. We're getting ready to leave. And he gets his Bible out. And he starts reading. Me. I had to ask him, what's your favorite scripture? He goes, gets his Bible out. And he starts reading the Beatitudes. He reads the whole Beatitudes to me. And then the t- I know we're sitting there for a long time. And they're, they're waiting on me. They don't even know where I'm at because I'm still in there. And He gets, and you know, what do you do? I'm not going to tell him to stop reading. So he gets done with the Beatitudes, and he skips to Matthew 5, 38 and 39. And he looks at me. He goes, you know what? I have a hard time with this one where you turn the other cheek. I really don't know if I like that or not. (laughs) And he starts laughing, and then it was like, okay. And then he says, thanks for listening to me. So, that's, I mean, he, yeah, we met him last year, but he was placed there for me, not me for him.
8: Um, I was lucky enough to go up to the top of the mountain with a couple of the other team members, and just standing up there and just being able to see the beauty that God has created kind of put me in my place of, that we create, I created all this for you guys. Uh, It was just just a beautiful moment.
9: So I chose this picture because of uh, being with the kids. Um, It is a a huge part of my heart and um, wanting to be with the kids. Um, So that, that size of the kids was almost every service that we had and um, so we would, the translators would do the whole story of Jesus, and um, at the end they would do a prayer, and they would ask the kids, "If you if you said that prayer, if you believe that, would you accept Christ?" And a majority of uh, of them would raise their hands, and that was how many salvations we would have. And that almost every every group we had, all of them said yes. So we always had that many salvations.
10: Okay, so for me, during a slow time, I had the opportunity to share the Cube, which is the picture on the left there. And I went through, the young lady listened intently, and afterwards she told me that she did know Jesus. So sharing the gospel with her was one of the highlights of the trip for me. But when we got back, I was preparing to teach in the tree house that first Sunday back. And we had a new memory verse to learn. That memory verse was Romans 10, 14. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So we can go to Honduras, we can go to Jamaica, we can go anywhere in the world. We can provide food, medical care, clothing, Dental care, eyeglasses, but all that stuff's temporary. But the word of Jesus that we take to these people, that's eternal.
11: So this is less of a story and more of just a thing I'm very grateful for. This is everyone, or almost everyone I worked with in the photos area, and I'm just very grateful for how many best friends I've made. Like I've made some of the best friends I've ever had on this trip, and we all keep in touch still, and it's really nice. Some of them are in the picture, others I've been friends with uh, outside of the picture, but I'm just very grateful for everyone I met there.
12: Um, the very last day we were at clinic, um, we didn't have a whole lot of clothes left, especially for older girls' sizes, and. This little girl came up, and I was like, I don't know if we have anything, and the other lady that we were working with found a little denim skirt and held it up, and the little girl got whispers, her eyes got big, she goes, Bonita, which means beautiful, and um, all through the week, we're handing out these second-hand clothing, most of it was second-hand, and Angie and I are taking these little toys, um, and they're all accepting it with such joy and happiness. And I, I couldn't help but think like when my kids were little, if I had given them this, they would have been like, whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we have so much. We have so much. And they have just very little and they are so grateful and full of joy. And it reminds me every time I go that the things that we fill our lives up with here it, it Honestly, it gives us anxiety. Like, we're trying to figure out how to keep it clean and how to store it. And it's just, if our lives were simpler, I think that we'd have more room Mm -hmm. to have true joy in our hearts.
0: Absolutely. And mine was an interesting experience. So they were doing road construction, and we're used to that with the Lloyd Expressway around here. Um, But this was a standstill. Um, I mean, we were there probably for an hour and a half, just the way we are right there. Um, And we had all our evangelism supplies in the back of of the bus. And I'm like, you know what? We're not going to waste time. We're already late to clinic. We're already um, late we got to do something. So a whole bunch of us started to grab the evangelism tracks, and you can't see it in this picture, but traffic was heading down the new new pavement, and here are some white Americans waving stuff at, at some Hondurans. They, they slowed down, so we created another traffic jam, but it's okay. So we started to pass out the tracks, and they would go by, and um, I would run down the other side and start passing out tracks on the stop side. It just, it just reminds me that no matter the inconveniences that are in our life, no matter the, the things that stop us um, in our normal life, we can continue to be on mission uh, no matter what. So we're gonna end this with Tim sharing with us um, his story.
13: Well, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it was amazing. Um, God directed me to some specific individuals throughout the, the entire uh, period or the five days uh, telling me this person is ready for salvation. Uh, and just, uh, I could tell in their eyes, I could tell through the power of the Spirit, they were ready to accept Christ. So God was able to use me uh, for His glory. And I, I just, it was an incredible experience.
0: So, Catalyst Church, thank you for your patience listening to the story. And can we get a um, praise God for, for this team that participated? I want to leave you with this before we sing one last song. Is this, why are you neglecting the obvious teaching to go to the world? And you might say, how can you go now? So we have mission trips coming up. How about you? So these are just a few things that have been brought to my heart for us as a church. Why not pray for the nations? You heard the numbers of the unreached people group around the world that still needs to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think I just went black. All right, dark. Okay. But I want to bring your attention to a book that you, you can pick up on the way out And what it is is, it says, "Let the let the let all the people praise you." There are thirty unreached people groups that's going to teach you about each day, and a short little devotion that you get to. It's like five minutes. So, my encouragement for you is: What if you and I? on faith would pray for the nations, the unreached people group, and at least 30 of them, and learn what we can pray for them about. I encourage you, as you leave, take one of these, and maybe before you go to bed, every night, let this be your closing night praying for the nations. And then also giving. Like you heard Tim and other people say, they didn't start going, and like Tammy and Danny, they didn't go at first, but they started to give So we have created a fund, um, the missions fund here at Catalyst, so you can go to the hub and to give. And you're going to hear more opportunities to give glasses and to give clothing and and other things like this. And we're making space in our already filled up building for space for these type of items that we can send. But I want to encourage you to give. As you heard, like Ethan's wanting to go back, and I believe Andrew's wanting to go back. If you're like, you know what, I want to be a part of... Funding These trips because it's a lot of stress for a team to be able to go. It's like $2,200 for us to go. You can help fund. And then maybe the last one is go. What would it take if actually you went? And there's lots of excuses that people make. I've heard them my entire life, but you can go and you might don't have to be a medical person or evangelism person. You can be like Joe and just, um, or somebody who works at McAllister's and pass out glasses we can all make differences we are all called to go but it starts with prayer it continues with giving and then lord willing it ends with you actually going so we put this on the catalyst church um hub that we are going if you are interested in going to honduras in january of 2025 we're going to have a meeting next sunday right away next sunday between our two services if you're interested in going to Honduras, it's just an interest meeting. Make sure you go to the hub and sign up and click on the go, and it'll take you there. If you want to give, click here. And if you want to pray, the PDF for, for this book is, is available. Let me read the lyrics to the song that we are about to sing. It says this, There is one gospel on which I stand for all of eternity. It is my story, my Father's plan. The Son has what rescued me. Oh, what a gospel, oh, what a peace. My highest joy and my deepest need. Now and forever, He is my light. I stand in the gospel of who? Jesus Christ. And when in glory, still I will sing of this old story that rescued me. Praise to the sa- my Savior, the King of life. I stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are missionaries here, there, and around the world. May we stand upon the gospel of Jesus Christ as we sing together as a collective church about this beautiful gospel.